Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me, the podcast for parents of young children. And we want to share your stories and all those crazy, contradictory feelings that come with being a parent. We believe in you. You got this, even on the craziest of days. And you are most definitely not alone. Hey, listeners. The host of this podcast wants you to celebrate the messiness of life with kids. That means we don't need an expert to explain our kids to us. We just need to sit back so we can truly see, hear, and love our kids. My family has been lucky enough to attend B'nai Torah, where Karen's enthusiasm and joy for all aspects of parenting has been a breath of fresh air and always gives us hope that we can do it. Karen Deerwester believes that when we see, hear, and love the messy moments of life with kids, we're able to give our children everything they need. Karen has been a teacher, author, and a leader in early childhood education for decades, and there is nothing, nothing that doesn't make sense if we take time to connect with each child exactly where they are, and right where we are with all of our messiness too. Here's today's podcast. Today's podcast is tinkering. How fun to be speaking with two amazing educators who understand play, innovation, discovery, and tinkering. We are here to talk about problem solving and curiosity, small parts and nature, learning through experiences with all the deep questions that young children and even babies and toddlers bring to learning and to understanding. I'm so excited. I'm here at the square table today with Lindsay Nyberg, one of our favorite podcast regulars, and Katie Applebaum, former classroom teacher and currently a Tinker Garden leader. I wanted to do this podcast as soon as I heard the Tinker Garden concept. Katie, welcome, welcome. We've never met before, but I'm really excited to hear about the Tinker Garden philosophy and how you found your way to it. Welcome, welcome. Okay, thank you. Well, Tinker Garden is an outdoor play-based learning program for children up to age eight. They actually just started a baby program, too, that's starting this spring. How fun. Um, and it's how, well, how young is baby, do you know? Um, baby is up to 12 months. Up to 12 so, months, okay. Um, and it's um, an expertly designed curriculum that fosters growth in some of the essential core life skills like empathy, collaboration, creativity, persistence, problem solving. So all of those. And it's held outside. It's, it's completely outside. So it's outdoor play. And we kind of foster um, the love of nature and creativity, um, getting the families outside. And um, it's been a great program. How long have you been a leader? This is actually my first season. Yay! So, um, and we have classes filling up already for the spring. Beautiful. And you were an elementary teacher before that? Yes, I was an elementary teacher for about um, eight years, and then I had my son. So I've been home. At, uh, I've been at home with him. So you since. understand where STEM is taking children, where oh, innovation course. and problem solving mm-hmm. is is steering. How, what's the tinkering piece? Because that's such a fun word that we in early childhood are so, are so in love with, the ma- makers and tinkerers. Mm-hmm. So tell us what, because you had said the founders of Tinker Garden were educators and also have an interest in the whole science. Right, also in the technology field that goes along with their training. So um, we have leaders all over the country, but also um, outdoor play just kind of gives us this beautiful um, area where we can tinker with 
nature treasures that we find. Um, it's just a space for the kids to really be able to open up mm-hmm. and um, not have uh, as much um, guidelines. Mm-hmm. So we kind of help them. It's guided play. So they're independently playing. So you have a three-year-old. I do have a three-year-old. Um, so explain what, how a three-year-old might experience um, a class or um, a guided play that you would, you would be offering outside. So one of the nice things about Tinker Garden is that it is set up. It has kind of like the backbones of a, of a preschool class. So we do have like rituals. We have snack time at the end. We have circle time in the beginning with story time. So they are getting those, um, those, those practice scenarios for preschool, mm-hmm. but they are um, given this classroom. The so it's like outdoor an outdoor classroom. classroom. Yeah, sure, the, sure. it's an outdoor classroom. They're given. Um, so we, for example, our last class was um, all about the birds. So we had to create a celebration for them, and to do that, we used mud and bird seed and outdoor kitchen um, and they were just kind of given all these materials and you could see their creativity what materials? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I want to get Lindsay on but it's like this is a whole new world I, br- I brought with me some pots and pans uh, they used sticks for spoons and they used um, you know acorns as carrots um, mm-hmm. and they, they just they just flourish and they play and they're learning how to um, work cooperatively and they're learning empathy. You know, we were really we were talking about little creatures and um, I will tell you, it's it's a phenomenal curriculum as I can see just from an initial review of the website um, when it looks at. Um, learning goals, skills, and experiences. I mean, ready to learn, ready to thrive, ready for anything. And it shows that whole social-emotional mm-hmm. continuum of learning, um, but then also the, the skills and the science problem-solving and experiences mm-hmm. woven through. Um, it's really a beautiful thing to see. Um, and it's, it's amazing to see the kids... Flourish, you know. Mm-hmm. In the first class, they might they might not be, you know, comfortable or know exactly what to do because we don't have the outdoor time that you know we had when we were kids. Yeah. When I always kind of ask my parent, the the guides who are the parents, um, what do you remember from your childhood? You don't remember playing inside. You remember going outside and mixing potions and playing free in your neighborhood and so that's what we and the rest of the country it seems to be I mean we're we're moving towards it in South Florida with having outdoor classrooms and having outdoor spaces but we're not seeing the kind of forest experiences that you see in the northeast Mm -hmm. and the northwest and so we're we're playing catch-up I think a little bit we've got some great um some great opportunities in South Florida but it's really um just beginning for us Lindsay, so you are a mom, a former educator, a current educator, you're in everything. Um, tell us what you know. You have two children. Um, your draw to tinkering, to small parts, to play, to learning. So I actually attended um, one of Katie's Tinker Garden classes with my little one, even though it may not have been um, geared toward a, a one-year-old at the time. Uh, she still got right in and played and and kind of copied the older kids and mm-hmm. saw how they learned through playing in nature. Um, 
but just the idea of an outdoor classroom, the idea of Katie and other Tikar Garden leaders reading to the children outdoors and the shift in the way the children pay attention versus the way they pay attention in a classroom, formal classroom setting is just absolutely outstanding. Well, remember when we were even school age and, and it would be a beautiful spring day up north and somebody would say, let's go outside and read under the tree. And you'd be like, oh, we're going outside. Best day ever. Yeah. Best day ever. And, and we know from Ahava Shabbat, you know, the idea of having experiences outside is that you have all that exuberance, you have all that energy, but then it's also synthesized into learning and creativity. I mean, I remember that one time um, when we were at an Ahava and there was a horrific thunderstorm happening and we were reading Noah's Ark and it was like, yeah, it was really scary on the Ark. I'll bet some animals were screaming and the water was really crazy and the lightning was bright. I mean, you really get to have full sensory experiences. And I think in early childhood and all education and especially science inquiry, we want that multi-sensory hands-on brains in um, heads, heads, hearts, and everything involved. Mm-hmm. So um, what about, um, and I don't know if you've experienced this, Lindsay, either here at B'nai Torah or in, in, in your home, the more mechanical tinkering concept. Um, does Jake take things apart? Does he, is, because I think that's such a, it's a concept I think that's easy to understand in an indoor space, and then it grows outside as you start dissecting and digging and going into the natural world. Uh, but tinkering is so much of that process of understanding how things work, what are the pieces that get things to work, and then how do you solve problems based on um, discovery and, and a problem in the world. Yes, Jake actually attempted to take apart um, the dust buster (laughs) just to see he was interested how once you use it how it sucks up dirt and whatever else is in the house and he attempted to take it apart and I helped him you know because it was a little bit difficult to press the buttons so he takes it apart we look inside and he said ew that's gross Mm -hmm. Um, which you know but you have the most interesting sort of hands-on personality yes he he doesn't want to get messy but he has to have that analytical engineering analysis extremely curious (laughs) and and like most children they're very curious about how things work and so in that respect, yes, he was tinkering with the dust buster, and then we put it back together and used it again. And he was curious to see what happened after we used it again. So it was more of like, a, a, I guess, a scientific method of, Well, I think know, that's the basis of tinkering. Right. And I want to add to that, you know, some people might stifle that creativity. You know, you did something really great. You let him open it up, and you, you know, because sometimes we think that, oh, no, we don't, you know, we don't want to do those things, and um, but when we foster that and we let the kids be curious, and I mean Hudson uses real screwdrivers to open up things, and you know it's just it. Because the continuation of tinkering is about risk, right? And it is about risky play, and it is about using tools and figuring out mm-hmm. how to combine those skills and and analysis of a situation. Right. So you start to see. Um, sometimes saws and scissors and hammers and, and, but also 
breaking things apart in order to, to see that process of what's really inside. And, and so the number one tinkering principle that I know is always, you know, don't always worry about buying your children toys. No. You know, go to those, those resale shops and repurpose old broken things or things that might still be working. You know, for younger children, you might want to cut cords off if you have to. Um, but yeah, to, to get that screwdriver and take the bottom of the toaster apart and mm-hmm. you, you maybe don't give them your iPhones yet. <laughs> for, for taking apart, but there is so much to be discovered in the mechanical world. And you mentioned a little earlier about loose parts, you know, just junk that you find, little, you know, nuts and bolts and, or when we're outside, t- uh, sticks and twigs and acorns and that they don't need, we don't need to buy them things. We have loose parts everywhere for them to just create. So is foraging a part of what you're doing? Yes. Uh, so we um, we have a bucket every time and we have go. a bucket every time. <laughs> yes. It's almost like parents of the world should not leave their houses without buckets right. or without something. And little magnifying glasses we have. So we have tools available for them mm-hmm. um, because some kids, they might um, not be ready to join our specific activity. So it is a flexible setting also where... And we were talking earlier about Montessori programs and that, is it mixed age grouping as well? It is mixed age grouping, which is nice because um, some of the older kids can model and they can also help out and um, it's just nice to see the kids kind of work together in a mixed age group setting. So, and, and as a teacher, you followed children for more than, than you had for more than one year. Is I that looped right? with um, looped. several of my classes, actually. So let's talk about the kind of relationships that um, children form in those kind of settings, both with each other and with the, the teachers or with the leader, so that you know how deep you can go as educators in showing them the world and helping them grow in different stages. So the interest, I mean, there's... There's benefits to looping up with a class, and then there's drawbacks as well. Um, But one of the benefits is seeing how a child starts at the beginning of, for example, kindergarten, and then eventually say they're shy and um, are hesitant to take risks within the classroom. Um, But then by first grade, they feel comfortable enough that they're going to take these risks and they're going to... um, tinker with items in the classroom and explore and not be um, reserved in their seat. So they're more prone to get out of their seat, move around the classroom, pick up random objects, see how they work. And that's... And your, your, your students had that freedom and flexibility... They may not have been supposed to. <laughs> but as a but, teacher, you valued but they, it. But I found it extremely important. So we we worked within our limits, yes. Okay, and, and, and that's coming from a public school teacher. So, And you were a public school teacher yes, as well? Yes, and I actually worked at a STEM school. How interesting. So it was a public school. It's a magnet program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, we did have, you know, we had a robotics lab and a science lab and a math lab and... So it, it was... All right, nice let, I want to come back to the robotics question <laughs> okay. and tinkering. But what I just want to say for parents out there is so often when you think about tinkering or you think about independent um, children-directed um, inquiry, you get nervous. 
is my child going to be able to do that? Is my child going to still be able to follow the rules? Is my child going to be appreciated who they are or are they going to be disruptive in more traditional settings? And, and I'm just here to say, you know, we all have to be advocates for young children being curious, being innovative, being problem solvers and looking for solutions. I mean, what we know and educators know, even when um, sometimes particular schools and state or national policies are more restrictive, the real educators of the world know that we're raising children for 2040. We're raising children who can find facts you know, there will probably be, you know, things in their brain to be able to access Google and facts and whatever it will be in 20, 30 years. But for them to find solutions to real life problems and situations is going to start right here with your little ones tinkering with real world objects mm -hmm. and with nature. But now let me come back to robotics since you have that. I mean, I feel so lucky to be here with experienced elementary teachers because you know what skills they will need mm -hmm. and so you can sort of guide and shape that. So tinkering goes so, I mean when you look at, at coding and you look at programming and you look at robotics, how do you connect the dots between what you saw in robotics, in science, technology, engineering and math and what you're doing with, with, with early childhood children now? Well, I mean, the kids at this age, preschool age, we're kind of building those blocks, you know, with, with those wondering, we want the kids to wonder and we want them to feel that they can ask questions and they can um, make mistakes and take risks and kind of what you were saying before, that risky play, once they're in an elementary classroom in the public school, you know, they're they're in a seat and they're not given all those opportunities. So doing all that we can now where we have them, you know, in a flexible setting is just setting up those blocks for the future. For incredible scientific thinking oh. and the mistakes. Let's talk some more about mistake making because, again, another essential principle of tinkering. And I think that your example of Jake and the Dustbuster is one of those, I think, and, and again, you know me, I always embellish you know, how I interpret and read a situation. But, I, but it seems to me that if I'm Jake and if I'm going to study that dustbuster after we put it back together, he needs to know, is, is it what did I learn before that is helping me to see this function differently than I understood? And in the back of his mind, maybe is this thing, did I break it? Mm -hmm. You know, when we take things apart... They do not resemble the way they looked when they were whole. And now let me just jump because it's just crazy exciting for me. Because not only is it science, technology, engineering, and math, it's also literacy. Oh, yes. Because in order for me to understand that that dustbuster that I took apart is going to return to a dustbuster that is functional, unless I made some mistakes that I'll have to fix, correct, and adjust... That's that same principle of whole part relationships that I need to be able to read words in sentences in paragraphs on pages. So mm -hmm. the language and the literacy and the numeracy and the science go hand in hand. Talk to, but in order to get there, I have to make mistakes. 
um, and that any of our programs that are, that are, I will have your child reading by the end of this age or this age or this age, will give parents this false sense of confidence and comfort and peace of mind that says, oh, my, my child will be okay in the world. And we all want to believe our children will be okay and thriving. But we miss that, that, but what we are really doing is robbing them of the ability to generalize to a lot of different environments, situations, contexts. And those early readers, especially if they're just getting rote skills or, or very specific skill pieces of that reading puzzle, they've got, they've got a very narrow, I like to think of it as like stilts, that where they really don't have the deep knowledge. And, and that's what I was thinking when I was writing the intro was, this is about deep learning. This is about a deep sense of self. Um, mistakes, risk, learning. Who wants to go? And it's not just learning literacy and math and academic areas. It's also a lot of social, emotional growth. Um, it's, I mean, for all the parents listening out there and all the teachers listening, it's, it's very important that at home as a parent, from that perspective, that you do let your children take these risks and within limits, of course, you know, within safety limits, but um, that you let them explore because those are the kids that later on in life with personal um, relationships and in the workforce, those are the kids that are going to thrive because there's so many adults now that can't thrive in the workforce or in relationships because they don't know how to problem solve. And I will tell you, my favorite kindergarten teacher, you've heard me mention it a thousand times, Stephanie Englander, a rabbi's wife, what she says she sees when she sees our kids coming into her kindergarten, which happens to be Donna Klein, Jewish Academy, she says our kids come in with voice and choice as collaborative learners who know how to problem solve and express themselves. And that's the social emotional piece. If I don't have the confidence to ask my question, if I don't have the confidence and the autonomy to say, I know what matters to me, I have a position, I have a relationship with this world that I can bring to my learning, then that foundation is deep with deep roots and you're building future learning on who that child is. Um, and yeah, to be able to interact in that world as a collaborative problem solver with confidence, with autonomy, with assertiveness. Um, and again, I always think of it as voice and choice. Um, so yes, what else, anything else you wanna say about that social emotional piece as you see it in your two children who have wide breadth and depth when it comes to their social emotional skills in this world? Yes. I. You know, I get a little hesitant at times. To, I'm like, oh my god, put the screwdriver down, or but, but within limits, like I said, there I, I do let them play with certain tools that maybe some other parents wouldn't let their children play with, and to see how it works because I do have two extremely curious children, um, and they want to learn about how everything works, yeah. and I want to give them that. I want to give them that freedom. So sometimes my house becomes 
an outdoor, indoor classroom at the same time. And it's a lab, a lab for children learning in life. And I, yeah. and I think of our Ahava when we were roasting the chocolate bananas. Oh, Jake was like mm-hmm. the king. But knowing how close can I stand to the fire? How hot does it get? How do I need to hold this? How do I need to feel safe, secure, and confident in my interaction? How do I evaluate risk? And it starts right here in our baby room. I mean, we know that is, you know, if a child can evaluate risk for themselves, they know how fully they want to participate in that experience. So now you're outside. Tell us. Um, another thing I want to add to that, um, kind of the awareness of self and also um, the collaboration. Because when a child is allowed to have just open playtime with other children, they can really develop empathy and they can they really understand um, just how to interact. Okay, so your empathy is one of the values in, in your curriculum. Mm-hmm. Tell us how, um, tell us, help, help parents understand what's involved with, with teaching empathy and experiencing that at a preschool level. Um, so, like I mentioned before, with um, our uh, focus on creatures that are smaller than us, um, just developing a, um, a love for things. Um, and also we can develop a love for people too because, you know, I there was somebody, you know, that fell and scraped their knee last time. And I kind of got down with Hudson. I said, how, how do you think they feel? What, what can we do to make them feel better? And we're able to have uh, conversations like that in yeah. a more flexible learning setting. Yeah. That, that it's, and the beautiful thing about, about that empathy, first there's the whole collaboration of empathy is mm-hmm. that I know children are going to interact with me with different styles and different abilities. You know, there are some children that are going to race into the middle of things and maybe bump somebody. Mm-hmm. And that and and children will then children learn that skill of stepping back, creating space or that very vocal collaborator that's like let's do this let's do this or in that old um cliche the bossy kids you know but but the idea of learning how to modulate your voice and your participation based on how other children perceive it and receive it Mm -hmm. there's so much to that collaboration and then to the empathy is then knowing not only do i understand how that child feels but that i am a partner taking responsibility in responding what, as you said, it becomes the problem solving that you're using with tinkering and with science becomes a social emotional problem solving. How can I help? What can I do to make you feel better? So there's an agency that's involved when I participate in tinkering and scientific learning. It's also interesting to see Katie modeling and you know, different emotions like empathy. And the coolest thing is that parents are there with their children. So for parents that are not so sure how to act in a certain situation or um, maybe understanding best practices for a child, you have somebody that's a leader like Katie that is helping parents, not only the children, but helping parents understand Lovely. Yeah, and, and I, I was going to add, because before you had said that, is that's one of our philosophies, too, is helping the parents understand what they could do to help their kids learn to play with other kids and learn to play on their own. And um, sometimes we, as parents, have to take a step back, and we have to let the kids 
you know, maybe have an argument or uh, right. just disagreement, and that's okay. They, because they're learning. The, the, I mean, David Elkind's research from way back would say when children were playing, you know, kick the can and all of those crazy outdoor things, they had to decide the rules and how you handle violating the rules. And, and in some small way, you giving them this freedom that, 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 that is more than the structured activities of most programs allows parents to be close enough to share it, to learn from it with, with leadership and guidance, but still gives children the freedom to test, to test um, situations and responses and reactions, test what works, what doesn't work, and then to, to come up and be inventive and innovative in their own play. Wow. Okay, so now I have another question. As you talk about leadership for parents, um, because, of course, we know as a family time person that I love having parents um, share in the world, of, in their children's world, um, because there's so many things that, uh, there's so many distractions, and there's so many things that pull you out of being present with your child that when you can stop the world and be present for an experience, even when somebody else is leading it, it's it's a magnificent gift. And um, I also know that your program goes long long past mine. You know, in the old days, I had family time till four, but now we ended at two, and children then go off onto drop-off programs. What's the value of parents participating as their children are older preschoolers? Well, um, the 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 children, the explorers, can see that their parents enjoy being outside. Um, I We always uh, tell the parents, you know, get your hands dirty, model this. So you're this. inviting them. They're not oh, just yeah, sitting no, back on the sidelines. They, they are part of the class, okay. and they're modeling those behaviors. And if there's a, a student, a child that doesn't want to get dirty, I kind of say, Mom, get your hands in there, you know, and, and the kids the kids get excited to see that. Um, so having the parents be a part of the class and they're also learning how kids learn and so that they can take some of these some of these things that they're learning and do uh, to back home so to foster that play. That we all need to return to nature in, mm -hmm. in some beautiful way. And to go off of that, I have to say the, the most interesting part also is seeing the parents almost revert back to their childhood and they get into that play and they're pretty intense in it. So if, you know, <laughs> if they're playing, if the kids are playing with mud, so to speak, then the parents are getting into it. And it's, it's just this whole wonderful sensory experience for everybody. Yeah. And, and I have to add, too, that, as you mentioned before, that social-emotional part of learning. I mean, all great learning will always come from a relationship and from feeling safe, secure, and connected to people. And having parents present um, just validates what a child is doing in a really profound way. And as classroom teachers in typical preschools, you do that at a, at a distance. You have a relationship with the teacher, with the school, but you're not present for all of the details. And you give them the opportunity to be there and share mm -hmm. a one-on-one -on -one experience. Yeah, like, because like you said, we just don't have those opportunities now with technology. And it's just a place for them to just enjoy themselves. Okay, enjoy you said music. the word. Okay, <laughs> technology and tinkering, how do they go together or not go together? Well, they definitely could go together, but they don't have to go together. I think sometimes people think of Tinker Garden as as tinkering 
as only technology, but it goes back to the basics of loose parts and just getting dirty and asking questions. And so, yes, it's part of it, but it's not the whole part. Right, right, right. I love it. And that's I, that takes me back to the STEM podcast we did, oh, probably two years ago. And, and, and someone said something so brilliant, and it was, you know, STEM isn't about um, the technology. STEM is a way of thinking and being and interacting in the world. And so your nature piece shows the connection that, that you will go from nature to robotics. Mm-hmm. Um, but, that, but it's, um, as always, in early childhood, children thinking has to start with multisensory hands-on and something that they can understand in the sense of um, some real immediate concrete awareness for themselves. You know, what happens when I add too much water to the mud? What happens when the stick breaks with a certain amount of pressure? What happens? Anyway, so I, I know you just, you hear me. I just love this topic. So let me, before we get to wrap up, ask what you each want to really, what are the big concepts or ideas or specific examples or or activities that you want people not to have like listen to a tinkering podcast and not walk away with it so is there something that is like oh I have to let the world know about tinkering or nature tinkering this way um one thing one of the things that I would say is that you don't need anything to get started you need to go outside in your backyard and like we said get a bucket and go find some nature treasures, or you need to go in your garage and get some screws and and tools, um, but you don't need any special technology program to get started. You just need to be present, and you need to ask questions and just model that for your children. Okay, but now I'm a, let's pretend we're not a, I'm not an educator parent, and I'm gonna be like, what? <laughs> like, how? And, and, and it really comes back to something that we shared with Morning Altars when we had Day here to do the foraging and the, and the impermanent art, which is a similar process. And that is the anxiety, the doubt, the self-doubt of creating that, taking that first step into open exploration. What's the pep talk that you say? You're not there, it's not your class, it's that parent with a bucket or the, that box of bolts, or going to Home Depot and going, like, uh, how do you give them the confidence to take the first steps? I would say, give your child, if you're not sure and you're not comfortable with tinkering, give your child a bucket or some type of Tupperware or anything that they could collect, bring them in your backyard or in your front yard, and say, have fun, and see what they come up with. They may start collecting things that may turn into a treasure hunt. It doesn't have to be so guided. Let the child almost take over. And if they want some ideas, you know, what? why are we out here? What are we doing? Then the parent, you know, can come up with some ideas and, right, right. and go from there. But I would almost let the child lead and, and decide what can happen. Like, for example, when we were at Ahava at the beach... Um, my son and some of his friends just started drawing X's in the sand and saying X marks the spot, here's a treasure. And they'll get creative. The kids will get creative if given the opportunity. Oh, 
And then it's not about the end result, you know, it's it's about the journey to get there. So we don't have to have some elaborate project that we're working on. It's it's about it's about the journey and it's it's about just kids being able to just do things on their own and be creative and and you're right because you know I'm already at tinkering and robotics, mm-hmm. and I'm already at how do I how do I create um, a tinkering solution to a problem? But the bottom line is, it starts with this open-ended exploration, with the questions, and with trusting that creativity. Mm-hmm. Wrap up is always the same. Mm-hmm. I am so happy we were able to do this, and the wrap up is how have you got this? For right here, for right now, and 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 I will say for your own children, maybe. Um, how have you got this? I mean, I think you've already said it for the beach example, but tell me another because I know both of you have this in so many ways, uh, for being role models, mentors, examples, and and really trusting this creative scientific process. I feel like I've got this in the sense that. I've learned myself to open up more and allow for my children to explore and lead me. Beautiful. And I want to go back to just that risk-taking and not being worried. I feel like I'm, I'm not worried about Hudson climbing a tree and hurting himself. He's going to learn, and he's going to be okay. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we have to make sure that you get the plug for how to find Katie's classes leading right here in South Florida and also Tinker Garden um, nationwide. So it's tinkergarden.com and you enter your zip code. And Katie, just give yourself a plug. What do you have coming up that you want people to know about? Um, right now we're finishing up our winter session, but you can still join in on, actually. Uh, and then we're starting our spring session in April, and we have three classes. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I hope everybody checks it out, because what an amazing experience. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing. If you liked our podcast, please tell a friend. Or even better, write us a review at iTunes. We'd also like to invite you to join us on Facebook. That's with me, Karen Deerwester. And check out the parenting resources at FamilyTimeInc.com. You'll also find us on Twitter at at FamilyTimeInc and Instagram at Karen underscore FamilyTime. Thanks for listening today. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this wonderful space. Thanks to Darren Littman for the great intro. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song Listen. We are listening. See you next week.